0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Hey, I like this mic better anyway. And since I have this mic, it kind of feels like I'm on a game show. So let's just go ahead and play a game. Do you guys know this, John's Christmas Catechism? You guys ever play this? Tripp didn't ever play this with you guys? Oh, I'm telling you, it's a load of fun, all right? So this is how the game works. We're going to ask a catechism question, and then you've got to answer it, and you get points, right, if you get the answer right. And then just play against whoever's next to you, whether it's a friend or a spouse, family member, and then, you know, whoever wins, you know, the other person has to buy you lunch. Or if you're playing with your, your dad, like your dad's got to buy you lunch, or you got to clean the bathroom or something, okay? So here it is. You ready? John's Christmas Catechism. First question, what is Christmas? You guys just shout out the answer. Just go ahead and shout it out. What is Christmas? You guys are weak. I need, I need some loud answers. All right, here we go. Christmas is the season that commemorates... The birth of our Lord and Savior. Next question. When does the season of Christmas begin? Ah, oh, okay. I'm going to go with the Feast of the Nativity, which begins on the evening of December 24th. But that was good. You know, it's, these are hard. They're not easy. This is... When does Advent begin? Great. I, oh, is that Jeff? I, I keep thinking Steve's answering, and, like, Steve's got the answers on the screen. I'm like, Steve, you're cheating. All right. The points go, the points go to Jeff. We're good. All right. Just making sure. All right. I'm going to interrupt this game by showing you this meme. We will celebrate the 12 days of Christmas after we celebrate the four weeks of Advent. Now, this meme, is, it's, a whole, it's a whole Anglican mood, Okay. And this meme is the will of Christ Jesus for you, all right? I just want you to know that, all right? It says everything we need to say. Let's keep going with our catechism. Some of you might hate me after this catechism and might want to leave the church. Okay, we're, I still love you. We're gonna, we'll talk after. What is the color of Advent? Why is it purple? It's purple because we are repenting, and purple represents repentance. Why are we repenting? What was that? That's kind of right. We repent to prepare for the coming of our Lord. Actually, Adventus Domini Nuestro, iso Christi, that is Adventus is Advent. It means coming, right? That's what this word Advent means. Is there any other color used during Advent? Pink. All right. You guys are good, and it's easy. <laughs> We call it rose, okay? It's liter- if you see me wearing that color, it's rose. I just want you to know. I don't wear pink. I wear rose. And what does the color rose represent? Almost, but it's joy. Rose represents joy. And so on the third Sunday of Advent, we call it Gaudete Sunday. And this word means rejoice. It's Rejoice, sun- uh, rejoice Sunday. Why are we rejoicing? Because the Lord is coming soon, right? And so with joy, we're excited to embrace him. All right, how many Gospels do we have in the Bible? Well, that's an easy one, right? All right, how many Gospels in the Bible include a narrative of the birth of Christ? Two. Also easy because we have a priest up on the front row that's given you guys the answers. He's been to seminary. Only Matthew and Luke mention details about the birth of Jesus. John speaks of him coming into the world, but we don't get any specifics about the baby, about Mary, about Joseph. And in Mark, we don't hear about the childhood at all. How many Gospels talk about the ministry of John the Baptist? Four. Exactly. See, friends, it turns out you can tell the story... Of Jesus, I'm sorry, you can't tell the story of Jesus without telling the story of Jesus' cousin, John. You can't tell the story of Jesus without telling the story of the one who came to prepare the way. In the West, we more commonly call him John the Baptist, but our Eastern brothers and sisters, they call him the forerunner. He's the forerunner. He's the one that would prepare the way. And like the people in the gospel story, we are not prepared to meet Jesus until we have first encountered John in the wilderness. You might say it's possible to have a gospel without Christmas, but there is no gospel without Advent. There is no gospel without John. Okay, thanks for playing, folks. We're going to get into the sermon. (laughs) This morning we read Malachi 3. See, I am sending my messenger to Prepare the way before me. And then our gospel, our, our, sorry, our gospel reading referenced Isaiah 40. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went to all the region around Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And then finally, in the Kalec, we pray this. Merciful God, you sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the salvation and prepare the way for our salvation. And the key word I want us to focus on this morning is prepare. Friends, we've got to get ready. This morning we're going to be reflecting on the ministry of John the Baptist and the nature of the liturgical seasons of Advent and Christmas. But what I want to remind you is that neither John the Baptist nor Advent and not even Christmas are an end unto themselves, right? All of these things are to point us to Jesus. And that is why we are here. The point is Jesus. These things reveal Christ to us. We're not excited about Advent for Advent's sake. We're excited about Advent because we believe it is uniquely suited to prepare us to encounter divinity in the manger. Advent gives us the vision we need to recognize Christ when he comes. It gives us the time we need to reorder our lives around his coming kingdom. Prepare. We have Gospels without Christmas, but we don't have Gospels without the cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist, the one who prepares the way for the Messiah. And so we might ask, why is it important to remember John? Or we could ask it this way, what are we missing if we forget about John the Baptist? Now, I want to call everyone's attention, you may notice that we swapped out our icon, And something that I love about our beloved father, Tripp, is that he's got a really nice icon collection for us that we can swap out through all the seasons. And this one, I feel, is a little on the exotic side, and I love it. So you guys are probably going to recognize who's here in the middle, right? That's the Virgin Mary with Jesus, holding Jesus. Who's this person? Maybe not as easily recognized. You're probably expecting him to look a little older with a beard or something. But that's actually the prophet Moses. Maybe in his younger years. And then on this side, do you guys recognize him? That's John the Baptist, right. He's the one that's always looking super crazy in the icon. John is awesome. And during Advent, I always try to have an icon of John the Baptist and Mary out alongside Jesus. It's super important. What do we miss when we forget about John? Well, something I noticed that if I don't think about John, his cousin, or Mary, his mother, I can forget that Jesus was human like me. And some of our churches were so afraid to talk about the saints and someone like Mary or John the Baptist. And if we forget to talk about them, we'll turn Jesus into someone that is completely divine and forget about Jesus is also totally human like us. In fact, there, there's an ancient axiom that says Um, that which is not redeemed is is not saved is not redeemed and so all they're saying is God took on all of our human flesh to redeem all of us and we need to remember think about how weird thanksgiving was for some of us right you went home and is there right you had a conversation with your mother right it might have gone weird right and there's uncles there Families are wonderful, they're beautiful, and they're strange. And what I want you to know is Jesus doesn't step into this really clean kind of situation where God just shows up on the scene and doesn't come into our story. He comes into this really strange, earthly, fleshly thing. Jesus has cousins, and we need to remember that. If we don't, we forget Christ's humanity. And if we don't, we might also forget that we needed someone to prepare the way. You see, friends, if God thought that we were ready to recognize Jesus for who he was, he would have just sent Jesus right on the scene. But no, instead, what he did, he actually sent centuries of prophets along that would get the people of God ready so that when Jesus finally came on the scene, they would recognize him. And then finally, John is the last one in this long line of prophets who has come to get us ready that we might be prepared to encounter divinity in the flesh. And so we needed to prepare Advent is for us a yearly checkup when we ask the question, am I really prepared to meet Christ? What if Christ were coming back tomorrow? What if I had to encounter divinity in the manger? Would I be ready? Or would there be some things in my life that I would want to get straight first? Prepare. Some of my closest friends and relatives don't even celebrate Advent. They just skipped right to Christmas. And friends, what I want you to know is that I love Christmas. And there's no place that I would rather be than right here with all of you guys on December 24th, singing Silent Night with my candle lit. Like, I just can't wait for that moment. It's going to be so awesome. But you know what? I don't skip over Advent anymore. Because each year I have to ask myself this question. Am I ready to meet Christ? And it turns out somehow every year I get to this ...and the answer for me is no. There's always a few things that I need to get ready. I have to prepare. Now I want to imagine with you a very real scenario. Let's imagine that you have a neighbor... And his name is Frank. And we can call him Unprepared Frank. Now, Frank is a pretty good neighbor. At least he's good to you. Like, he's nice to you, okay? Frank is a very busy man. He's so busy, he doesn't really go to church a lot. Even though, he, you know, he identifies as Christian. Frank seems like a very successful business owner. But, you know, he doesn't care for his workers well they're underpaid and they're mistreated there's a lot of turnover there at his business but frank doesn't really care because he can still make money and he can find a way to keep going now frank would tell you that he loves his family but he would probably cheat on his wife with a woman that works in his office if she were down for that frank loves his kids He works really hard to keep certain kinds of families out of his neighborhood and out of his kids' school because Frank doesn't want his kids going to school with people like that. And on December 24th, Frank is really happy to join us here for Christmas Eve service with his family. Frank loves the carols, He loves the yearly reading of Luke 2. He enjoys the sermon. He even receives the Eucharist. And as he sings Silent Night by candlelight together with his family, his heart is warmed. And friends, it turns out that you can bottle up this kind of Christmas feeling and make it into a Spotify playlist and listen to it on repeat for weeks on end. You can have all the Christmas feels without the Christmas substance. Frank comes to the manger unprepared, and Frank will likely leave unchanged. By the way, friends, God is gracious, right? Frank is always present in our church, and Frank is always welcome in our church. So I just want to encourage you, if you live next door to Frank, by all means, invite him today. Invite him for Christmas. We love Frank. But let's imagine another neighbor. We'll call him George. George. George came to church during Advent. He heard a sermon about a crazy man named John the Baptist. And John was going around and telling people that they weren't ready yet. He was telling them prepared to see the Messiah. And the Messiah is about to come on the scene any minute now. And so he's telling these people they need to repent. They need to change their lives. They need to change their thinking. And they need to realign their ways with the coming kingdom. Not to steal thunder from next week, because we're still going to be talking about John and his message next week. But people are asking him, okay, repent. Like, John, what do you mean by that? And he's saying things like this. Repentance looks like this. The one that has two coats needs to sell one and give it to the one that doesn't have any. And so George goes home and he begins to reflect on the words of the prophet Isaiah quoted in Luke. And he begins to think about it as he sits in his armchair in his living room. And he thinks about these words, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hills shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And then it hits him. George realizes that there are some things in his life that are obstructing the work of the Messiah. He's got some crooked paths that need to be made straight. There are some mountains in his life that need to be leveled. There are some valleys that need to be raised so that the Messiah can come and do what he needs to do and reveal his glory to all people. And so let's say then Joe calls up a coworker and he tells that coworker, hey, I've been holding you back. He says to her, you know, I haven't been putting you on some really important projects, not because you're not good. Actually, I'm intimidated by you. And I'm worried that if my boss sees how good you lead and how talented you are in your job, that I'm not gonna get a raise and that they're gonna put you over me. And I've been holding you back and I just want you to know, I'm sorry. You know what? This is gonna kinda sound weird to you, but. I'm a Christian, I believe in God, and I actually believe it's God's will for my life that I am here to live a life-giving life that causes those around me to flourish. And if I'm honest, I have been holding you back from your flourishing. And this just sounds weird, but I just want to say I'm sorry, and I'm going to put you on that project. Like, you're going to be the one. I want to do this with you, and I want to see you succeed. And then I want you to imagine that George from there goes out, and he remembers that, uh, you know, Jorge Vallejo... That guy from Upper 90 that the church supports, the guy that does that, uh, that ministry where they go with Latino youth and they play soccer. And he just remembers how much he loved soccer from his youth and how he wanted to volunteer. And so then George goes out and he volunteers. And suddenly George feels more alive than he's felt for a long time. And George really hits it off with one of the kids. And then he connects with that kid's parents and he gets invited and he goes home with their parent for dinner. And then I want you to imagine that it's December 24th and George comes and he walks in the door and he sits in the same service alongside Frank. And he's going to experience the same exact gospel reading and the same exact sermon and the same exact songs. Only for George this time, this year, it's going to hit a little different. And as he sits there and he hears the words of the gospel about these shepherds and the kind of holy family that's living on the margins, he begins to realize, you know what? That experience that I had with that family, that is just helping this gospel message come alive and be real to me in ways like I never imagined before. And then I want you to imagine George comes forward at the end to receive the presence of Christ In the Eucharist. And suddenly the taste of the Eucharist in his mouth is connecting him back to that meal. And suddenly as he discerns the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. He's also able to to discern how that meal with that family. How Christ was also present there. You see friends George isn't perfect. And we're never actually fully prepared to encounter our Messiah. But I would say there is a sense in which George has done the work of preparation God's grace has been working through the prophet messengers to prepare George to receive Christ. And this is the Advent imagination. Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way of our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. May we receive the warnings of the prophets as nothing other than the grace and tender compassion of our God, who, in his great mercy, sent them to preach repentance, that we might greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen.